0: Hey everybody, this is Doc Mac from the Galloping Ghost Arcade, and you're listening to Pie Factory.
1: I'm recording. Yay. I'm recording.
0: So we're just going to come out and do the same thing over and over and over, and this is what we are doing. Okay, now
1: you're artificially inflating the Steve Martin count. Oh, yeah, that's true. Good grief. Don't game the podcast stats.
0: Don't game the podcast, but we are a gaming podcast.
1: Yeah, but don't game the stats. Huh. Hi,
0: everyone. Oh, hi. Hi. D- didn't hi. see you there. Yeah. Why don't you come in? You know, take a seat. Put your feet up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Would you like mm-hmm. a, a nice uh, cup of hot cocoa? We could get that for you. There oh, you I'll go. Have some
1: uh, blackberry ginger ale. I'm having Ooh, some right yeah. now.
0: And, uh, would you like, uh, I could get the fire going. We could make some s'mores over our fi- in our fireplace. Would you like that? Ooh, s'mores. Mm. Oh, s'mores. Hmm. Oh, well, there we go. So now that you're all comfy, welcome to another episode of yes, Pipe Factory yes, Podcast. Yes,
1: welcome. Welcome indeed.
0: And once again, from, uh, you know me, you love me. Well, I don't Where's know. Where's you, you
1: know me, you love me. I'm not familiar with that place. You really don't want to know. Trust me on this one.
0: Uh, once again, from the blah, 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 Morris, Illinois. This is, uh, Jimmy G.
1: And twice again, from the yes, it was, it was, it was, uh, Chicago, whatever, uh, yeah, this is, uh, not Jimmy G. This is, uh, uh, Sean, is it? Yeah.
0: Sean is. There's a podcast I listen to called, Oh No, Ross and Carrie. They, they do like skeptical topics and that. And every now and then, uh, one of the co-hosts will go, uh, What's your name? Ross, is it? And I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) Oh, I love that podcast. It's fun. If you like skeptical things, that's a fun podcast to
1: listen to. I I don't know if I'd like to listen to that. I don't know about that.
0: (laughs) I see what you did there. They show up, so you don't have to. So, at any rate, um, hi, everybody. So, Sean. Yes. What hast thou been doing?
1: Oh, man. Well, let's see. Uh, What? 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 How hast I? What? Oh good grief! I hate when people throw Elizabethan English at me. Um, Yay, verily, I, I have been doing stuff. I suppose uh, things and stuff. Yeah, uh, I've I've actually been doing like some video game related stuff lately. Ooh. Do tell. Well, uh, well, fine. I will. You may remember from the previous episode. This is what, by the way, is this one hundred eight or one hundred nine? We're doing?
0: this is one. Oh eight. Okay. That's what I have previously on Pi factory podcast,
1: except this is currently on Pi factory Pod. but pre on the previous episode, I had unboxed a, what the heck do you, in fact, I still have the box here open from when I unboxed the, the DE 10 nano, which is a FPGA computer. Uh, that is the basis for the current Mr. Emulation system. And, uh, I got mine set up and running, and I owe a lot of thanks to uh, Tronads. Thank you, Tronads, for all your help with that. He spent a lot of time over Twitter with me trying to uh, figure out why I couldn't get the cores running. Partly because you really do need a micro SD card formatted in Windows. If you format it in any other operating system, it leaves some garbage behind. Mm -hmm. That doesn't play nice, but... So I formatted it on my work computer um, and copied all the files over and stuff started working. But the cores that I really wanted, the Commodore 64 and Amiga, they would not run, even though I had the SD RAM daughter board in it. Turns out the SD RAM daughter board was faulty. So the guy who sold me that said, you know what? It looks like uh, there's a loose solder joint or something. So let me send you out another one. So we did. And suddenly things started to work. So uh, once I confirmed everything was working, I bought a IO board for it. that has a fan. That was my biggest concern was just getting a fan to blow the uh, heat away as much as possible. And over the past couple of nights, I built a case in which to house or wait, do you say house? If it's a verb How- or house, I say house,
0: I say house in, in which to mean?
1: house my mister. I used Lego bricks to do that. Nice, And I was shocked at how well it works because the actual DE-10 doesn't fit properly, but at some point during the construction, it kind of angled itself a little bit crooked and then everything fell into place and it was perfect. It's good and solid. And I'm really happy with it. So uh, I I'll be happy to share some pictures, but of course I don't know when I'm going to do that because c- seeing as I'm the official pie factory podcast website maintainer, I still haven't put up the show notes for episode one Oh seven as of the recording date of this particular episode. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah, that's uh there's that. And, uh, Earlier tonight, before I uh, went into the studio, I played, well, actually, even when I was in the studio, because it's the same room, I played Space Rocks on the Atari 2600, which I haven't been playing enough of at all, even though I've had the game for a few years. But something I never realized is that if you play that game and don't change any settings, you just start it up, hit reset, don't change the settings, you're essentially playing Asteroids Deluxe. So yeah, I thought that it's like wow. I didn't know. I didn't realize this was Asteroids Deluxe. See who doesn't Mm -hmm. read the manual in his new uh, homebrews that he
2: buys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've been playing that. Um, Oh, what the heck else? I played Venture for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred for the first time ever.
0: Oh, hated it. I can't say as I'm a huge fan of it either. It's okay. I don't hate it, but I just don't. There's not much there to keep me coming back. And and I have to actually say the same thing about the uh, ColecoVision port of it as well. It's just not
1: a fun game. It doesn't let you get very far.
0: I get what they're trying to do and I appreciate what they're trying to do. I just It just needed, I don't know, something, but there too, the original, you gotta think of when it was released and all that and maybe we're spoiled now. Maybe we would have liked it more back then, but who knows? Maybe? I don't, I
1: don't know. I don't know.
0: Probably not in my case. I think I remember playing the Venture on the ColecoVision back in the day and not being all hyped up. A lot of people, it's their favorite game. So, it's Pretty divisive, I guess.
1: Hmm. And let's see, what else? Uh, uh, and for the first time all year, I finally went to Underground Retrocade. I was happy to be back really? there.
0: I was there, too.
1: Oh, really? Huh. Yes, I was. Wow. Yeah, we were there.
0: Uh, actually, Sean and I were both there to celebrate the passing of another year for one of our friends. And um, oh, It was
1: more like a passing of a year in two months, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, something like that. Actually, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think so. So, um,
1: so we were up I there. Don't like, was, so, that, was that supposed to be a surprise? I think so. Okay, because it was weird because. Uh, the way it was announced? Because it came, like, w- one of the uh, updates came from his own Facebook account. I know.
0: And so I maybe like, Does it he maybe know started about out. This? <laughs> maybe it started out that way and then ah. somebody made an accident and. I don't know. But, uh, yes, had lots of fun. Um, Surprised to see that my name was still up on one of the cards at Retrocade. I can't remember which game it was. Was it Frenzy? No, it wasn't Frenzy. It was, um, I'm drawing a blank now. It wasn't Xevious. It wasn't Burger. Maybe it was Moon Patrol. I think it was Moon Patrol. Ah. So, yeah, so my practicing Moon Patrol's kind of been helping, but, um,
1: there you go. So you might be wondering what I've been playing. Might be, Sure. I might also have brought my arrowhead collection. But you didn't. Anyway. And you better give those back cuz it's illegal to have in Illinois. You have really? to give those back. Huh.
0: Unless unless they're modern arrowheads. Ah, okay. Yeah. But um actually I've been still playing a boatload of burger time. Ooh, alliteration. And um I've just been trying to get my um work on strategies to get my score up still failing miserably. Um, so oh, I, I meant to out. play
1: that, and I didn't play it at the Retrocade.
0: Still, um, I was looking up some YouTube videos, and I saw this one video of this guy who um, got all of the enemies together to follow the same pattern. They're like all one shot on the first screen, and he uh, did a lot of point pressing. And he got his he got on the first screen. He got like sixty nine thousand points on, on the first sc- good on the Lord. first screen. And he said, "You, it is possible you could actually get higher scores by squashing some of the uh, some of the things, but then you'd have to waste your peppers to get them back to go, you know, into uh, into pattern. So mm-hmm. the optimal score is probably sixty nine if you if you t- keep into consideration. Um, I think it was sixty nine thousand four hundred. So okay. you know, if you don't want to waste peppers, sixty nine thousand four hundred is probably about the optimal score you can get. Like I said, he was doing a lot of point pressing on that. I have to go through." like, eight screens to get, like, 70,000 points. Yeah, so. right.
1: Or did, did his point pressing involve, like, working from the bottom and going yep. to the top? Okay, because I tried that, and I only got very negligible score improvement by doing that technique.
0: Yep, but he, but there again, too, he would just send all four of the, 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 all four of the enemies down hmm. once one of the burger parts was on the very last thing. And then once all of those were gone, he would get the next set of burger parts down to the bottom and so on and so forth. Huh. And uh, yeah, so that's how he did that. And I'm like, it occurs to me, you could probably do like the, f- you could probably, thinking about it, you could probably get a higher score on that. No, no, because if you do all four at the top, they go all the way to the bottom. Well, so yeah, really that yeah. kills
1: any of your chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh,
0: I was yeah. thinking, but I was thinking, I was only thinking about only having one enemy on a burger part at a time. That would drop down three. So yeah, my, my thought wouldn't work. But so I've been playing a lot of that. A lot of not much else.
1: Played the games that we're gonna be talking about in this episode. Oh, yes. One of yes, which of I played at Underground Retrocade on this past yes, you did. Saturday. And, and happy birthday, Keith, by the way. Yes, happy birthday. A couple of birthday months Keith. late, I think. Yeah.
0: And um that's about all I have as far as you know, anything I've got to say.
1: And oh. um Oh, and the news that I got from you. About oh. the Collector Vision Phoenix. Oh, yes. Apparently, yes, yes, yes. I am going to be getting mine sometime. Uh, the only thing is, I was actually having second thoughts about it just in the last couple of days, thinking, oh, should I see if I can cancel my pre-order? Because I I don't know if this is true. I have to look into it. But I think the mister is Super Game Module compatible. Mm-hmm. And if it is, then that would mean that I would now end up with two multi-core emulation machines they can play the same things
0: well the good news is they are doing another run that says from what i understand they're going to be um manufacturing in may april at the earliest and um uh they they have no plans to do a third round at this point point. and i think they need 75 more orders to get to uh, where they need to be for round two.
1: Oh, okay so it's still not definite well
0: they're, they're, the, well, they're definitely going to manufacture them they okay. would like to get 75 more to the top off where they want to be with orders. Huh. Yes, so that's great news. Uh, so go to collectorvision.com and uh, order one. Link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. Shink in the low notes. Mm. So uh, that's pretty much uh, all All of that. That's all the news I have. Oh, should, um, t- should, I,
1: should I see about my, my latest pickup or should I s- not talk about it right now? What's your latest pickup? Uh, my latest pickup is a exciting new pac-man plus arcade marquee i sure shared it with our it. facebook friends that was,
0: well they already know about it so share it
1: yeah so well this is for people who don't follow us on facebook and by the way i, I i've said this actually on facebook yesterday because you have a lot of people say oh i don't use facebook it's such such a hole and or i'm gonna think of closing my account because people are crazy dude you have not seen crazy unless you have gone to next door oh that is crazy ass social networking right there next door uh, yeah it's for, it's basically neighborhood based social networking
0: oh yes I know what you're talking about we actually had a couple of months ago somebody I'm thinking about it, it was probably back in September uh, somebody in our neighborhood like putting notes saying come to you know whatever and uh, to this page for our little neighborhood and I'm like it had rained so the the, uh, the, the name of this page was like obscured. So uh, I just threw it away.
1: I it's no, not like no a addiction. recent discovery. I mean, I've been using it on and off for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but still, man, the the crazies really come out in that.
2: <laughs>
1: oh man! And what frightens me is these people live near me. I live with I live near a lot of psychos. Dun dun dun! A lot, a lot of well, psychos and people are like, well, the perpetrator was black, of course. A lot of those kind of people. <laughs>
0: Well, to be fair, the Chicago Milwaukee area is the serial killer um, you know, hub of the world. I mean, we've had people like Dr. Henry Holmes and John Wayne Gacy and Richard Speck and uh, uh that cannibal guy up from Milwaukee, uh Jeffrey Dahmer and there's been yeah. there's a few more I can't think of off the top of my head. No, I don't actually keep track of this stuff in case you're wondering. I just kind of know it. Now I got so, all of our listeners. So, thank you for listening worrying.
1: everybody. Welcome new listeners. You're listening to Light Serial Killer Indeed. Talk. Indeed. Uh so, but yeah, I got. I anyway, got. You were saying. But yeah, I was t- talking about the exciting new Pac Man Plus arcade marquee. There are two reasons I got it because for several years now I've actually been considering getting one because I, I don't like the game that much, but I love the marquee. It is a very nice marquee, mm-hmm. and the other thing that convinced that that made me decide to get it. I saw that Paul E. Niemeyer.
2: oh Paul Niemeyer. Did,
1: he did a lot of uh, artwork for bally midway games mm-hmm. i saw that he's going to be at midwest gaming classic and he actually sent me a friend request a couple of weeks ago which I figured yeah i might as well accept i can kind of see why because of the he's, he's like oh there's a uh, arcade game person maybe i should network with him and um the announcement that he was going to be at midwest gaming classic said that he did artwork for certain games and it mentioned Pac-Man Plus. So I messaged mm-hmm. him. I said, "Hey Paul, did you happen to do the marquee artwork for Pac-Man Plus?" And he responded. He that's all I asked him and he sent me like I could probably we could probably do an entire episode based on just the response mm-hmm. I got from him cuz he he just he shared a lot of info. Paul, if you're listening, thanks a lot. That was really awesome. But he said, "Yeah, I did do the marquee. And in fact, if you look closely, you can see my initials, P E N." Uh, And he he told me where to look. He said, I kind of had to do it very subtly because at Bally Midway, they didn't want anybody getting credit for anything. Gee, there's a shock. Yeah, of course. And I said, were they afraid you guys are going to be poached or something by other companies? He said, no, they were just being jerks. (laughs) 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 But well, my words, not his, my words, not his, but uh, yeah, I got, I got some, some good stuff from him. So I'm going to. Take that to Milwaukee with me and have him sign it. Oh, that reminds me. I got to get from Chicago Transit Authority, the actual transit agency that is not the first Chicago album that was recently really remixed uh, for its 50th anniversary, but the actual transit agency. I got to get something that has some kind of mention of the Berwyn red line stop and have Sven Gulli autograph it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's right, because he's going to be at the... i yeah. got to remember to take my uh, Gulli uh, picture and so let's see if he'll uh, autograph it a second time. I believe I've mentioned that
1: before on the show. You you very well may have. I got his autograph back in the 84. I got his autograph back in 97. Yeah. At any rate. How about 42.5%? Ooh, sounds good.
0: Do we have any news, addenda, errata, email? We do have an email,
1: but we're going to hold off yeah, on that until the end of the episode. Yeah, we should hold off on the email. Um, I, 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 I. I, I, I. Ay, 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 ay. Uh, actually hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: I love real cheese. Oh. oh
1: do the sound of a burp, hose head. See
0: doo Supermarket soobie, soobie. finds exchanging glances. Soobie, soobie, soobie. Oh, I finally watched one episode of the uh, of David Letterman's new talk show on Netflix ah. today. And My I've next watched guest the, needs
1: no introduction.
0: Yes. I watched the Howard Stern episode. Very, very interesting and fascinating interview.
1: And, of course, Paul Schaefer does the theme music. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I
0: didn't stay around for the credits, so I didn't see. Of course, why wouldn't he? I mean, Ooh, yeah, exactly.
1: Who else? True. But, uh, yeah, and uh, we got some kind words from S. Ramirez 2008 again. Another great episode. Uh, Blueprint and Solar Fox. Oh, yeah, this is 108 because he actually cited 107. Ha, ha. Uh, Uh He says, I like the 2600 version of each game more than its arcade counterpart. That's probably because I was first exposed to each game on the 2600. And, uh, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. He liked that we finally got to drop in some words from our sponsors. So, you know, now I'd like to take this opportunity to have another word from one of our sponsors. Businesses. And we're back. Oh, Sue, I don't know if we have any addenda or rata. I don't. Did I...
0: I don't see any. I but didn't I th- see anything on on the tweets, on the
2: tweets.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. Yeah, that was that's that's it. So, Humph. harumph. harumph.
0: All righty. So we should probably uh, talk about a couple of games then. Uh, okay. So uh, what do you want to talk about? You know what? I'm gonna choose this time. Okay. Because uh, you were you were uh, teasing me. With uh, some information you had about one of our games. And I kind of want to hear about uh, Super Glob.
1: Super Glob? Actually, I changed my mind. Oh. I know I should have consulted with you because, you know, this is your podcast. This, is, this whole thing was your concept. I know I should have consulted with you, but I don't want to talk about Super Glob, actually. I want to talk about the Glob. The Glob. Okay, we can do that, I guess. Okay. okay so. This is uh, your last warning, though. Did you even give me a warning? This is your first and your last. What's what's the warning? What are you warning me? Watch out for traffic. All right, all right.
2: Watch out for snakes. There we but go.
1: anyway, uh, Glahob. Glahob is a glob. Uh, <laughs> oh, what are, is? Uh, oh, what? Uh, not Hassan. Not uh uh-huh.
0: Yeah, we'll just mix it up.
1: Uh. Woo-hoo! The glob. glob. There. Uh, it how creeps about that one? and seeps uh, and, uh, yeah. and slides uh, and in across in 1983, the floor. and uh, that was released by Epos. I don't, I don't know if that's the, the proper way the pronunciation. And I know you were going <sighs> to hide. Might as well drop in the proper uh, Burt Backrack music. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, in the glob, uh, those of you who haven't seen, I, uh, the reason I chose this game and the reason that I've been wanting to talk about it for a few years is because I had seen it on. Starcade a couple of times, but I oh, never really? yeah, yeah, and it just stuck out with me because I never had a chance to see it since. I know I'm kind of jumping way ahead. And I played it in MAME several times, and it's like, really, why did this game not get more exposure? But the game itself, you control a blue, a light blue. Glob. Beware of the blob. It kind of looks like a scrubbing bubble in a way. In a way yeah. And it has a face and it kind of hops across the screen from left to right. And the animation is amazing on this game. It is it is good, man. It's, it's it is funny. It's really good animation. I got to give it that. Yeah. And the glob basically has to pick up all the snacks on the screen to move on to the next level. And each screen is separated into multiple floors, which requires using one of possibly several elevators on the screen. And um, I'm kind of mixing a lot of stuff up here just to kind of explain how things go. Uh, We're going from, when I first saw it, we're going to uh, basic gameplay to the control panel now. The control panel, there is a... Now, this I have not been able to confirm, but there is definitely a ambidextrous joystick but i i want to say it's a four-way joystick but the compass rose that's around the joystick kind of implies that it might be eight directions but it doesn't really make sense that it would be eight Hmm. directions because you're really only moving in four directions but regardless It's ambidextrous because the joystick is in the middle of the control panel and on both sides of the joystick, there are two buttons, one that says Energize and another that says Call Elevator. I think Energize is the outer button and uh, Call Elevator is the inner button. You use the Call Elevator button to push the button to call the elevator on the screen. And while you are gobbling up the various snack items, depending on what level it is, you have to avoid what's called the mob. That's what it actually says in the game <laughs> and on the instructions. So we're going to get to something we were talking about offline, by the way. The mob consists of kind of semi-anthropomorphic animals. And they all have names. There's Gator, who's an alligator who walks on two legs. Actually, no. No, Gator is actually a crocodile. Oh. You know how I know? How do you know? Because he's green. He's green. Oh. Alligators are gray. Crocodiles are green. I did not know that. I knew there was a difference, couldn't remember what it was. Well, you know the real difference between an alligator and a crocodile. Huh? If it's an alligator, you're going to see it later. But if it's oh, a crocodile, you'll see, see, it see it after while, a while. Yeah. yeah. Of course. And that's the scientific description. Well, yeah, of course. And there's froggy and bunny and monkey and porker. And each of I those. I love porker. <laughs> I hate porker.
0: Well, I love the name and I like, oh, Piggy. Okay.
1: I like piggies too, though. So, and each of those enemies, though, as I listed them, they get progressively faster. For example, Porker is faster than monkey. Monkey's faster than bunny, et cetera. And there could be multiple instances of any of those enemies on the screen. You might see two gators. You might see four porkers and they kind of emerge one at a time. And you have to be prepared because they might emerge right from where you're standing. Yes. And uh, you have a couple of lines of defense against these enemies. The energize button that I mentioned before, if you hold that button down, the glob will stick to the ceiling. And if you release the button, then the glob will fall back down to the floor. And if the glob lands on one of the enemies, the enemy disappears and you score a certain number of points divisible by 11. And I'll get to that later. And the uh, enemies will regenerate after a few seconds. So it's not like you're permanently killing them off. The other line of defense is when you're riding an elevator. And not even when you're riding an elevator, but the enemies can be destroyed by the elevator. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that could be a pretty skillful use of the elevator. It's coming. It saved my neck a few times. Oh, yeah. And by the way, The enemies can also call the elevator and they can control the elevator as well. Well, whoever's riding the elevator controls it. So you, it's not like say Keystone Capers where it's automatically moving.
0: It's like elevator action.
1: There you go. It's like elevator action. So that's how the the glob can defend himself. And by the way, there are two ways, actually, there are three ways in which the glob can lose a life. One of those ways is simply when an enemy makes contact with the glob. Mm-hmm. Another way is if the glob is crushed by an elevator. Okay. And the other way is there's an energy bar at the bottom of the mm. screen that progressively runs out during the course of the level. If you let the energy bar run out, you lose a life. And when you are holding down the energize button, the energy meter goes down a little bit faster. So that's a little trade off there. You use that self-defense. You're going to sacrifice some energy. And I do believe you get a bonus at the end of the level, depending on how much energy you have left. Mm -hmm. Uh, How much that bonus is, I don't quite know how it's calculated, unfortunately. In fact, there's a lot about the game itself that I wasn't able to find out, because it's kind of an obscure game. But I'll get to that in a second. But you want to get all of the snacks on the screen to advance to the next level. And I believe there are 25 levels, and then once you reach 26, it kind of reverts back to whatever level 1 was. Mm -hmm. So level 26 is basically level 1, but much faster. Something I didn't mention, I should mention uh, before I forget, is that there is a wraparound in the game. Like If you venture off-screen, you're going to come out the other side. And I think that's true for the enemies, too, although I don't think they really do that a lot.
0: I have seen them do that. Oh, they do. Okay. And it's only on levels that don't have a wall,
1: right? Right. Yeah. That's another thing. And that's something I got to mention here too, is that something that I like about the glob is that in a way it's a puzzle game, especially as you progress through the levels, because there are going to be some floors that you don't have full access to. So you have to be, you have to kind of think about your elevator strategy. How do I get to this part? And there's not always an elevator button on every floor on later levels. Level 22 has no elevator buttons. Really? Really, yeah. Basically, the elevator starts at the same floor that you're on. Uh Uh-huh. And if an enemy gets in that elevator, then you have to wait for the enemy to relinquish. Yeah to relinquish the elevator at the same floor that you are on that almost sounds unfair (laughs) it does sound unfair
0: i'll have to put some cheats on to get that to that level
1: because there's no way i can get it to it on my own yeah 23 24 and 25 do have the call buttons but not 22 interesting yeah that 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 just blew my mind uh i should talk about how to score points in this game Uh, obviously you score points by eating snacks uh There are, let's see, one, two, three, I think there are, what, 12 snacks that cycle through here? Yeah, there's strawberry for 100 points each, there are bunches of grapes for 110 points each, carrot for 130, cherries for 140, candy canes for 150, pears for 160, ice cream cones for 170. Uh, I don't know what the next level's um, snack is, because I can't really tell if it's a pineapple or an orange or what whatever it is, it's 180 points. The bananas are 190 points. Apples are 200 points each. And the last snack in the sequence is a birthday cake. And for every birthday cake you eat, you get 210 points. Nice. And you can gain points by crushing your enemies, by destroying the enemies. In fact, you don't even have to destroy the enemy. If the enemy gets destroyed at all by anything, you get the points.
0: That's one thing I like about this game is that the actions of the enemy can affect the other enemies.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. And you benefit and you from the you get the, the points, yes. Yeah, just like I in uh, Berserk. Mm-hmm. But unlike in, say, the Asteroids games. Yes. But uh, anytime a gator gets destroyed, you get 55 points, Froggy, 66, Bunny, 77, Monkey, 88, and Porker, 99. So that's the gameplay right there. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head if there's a... Um, I th- I think you get a bonus life after a certain amount of points. I don't remember off the top of my head, and it's not in my notes. So well-prepared. But what is in my notes is a really strange history of the company that gave us this game. There's not a lot out there about the glob, but I was able to, you see, the, the story about the company behind it is very convoluted, and I'm sure that I got some details mixed up, but I was, I'll was i tell you all what I was able to synthesize. Epos, E-P-O-S, is the company that gave us this game, and they were formed in Auburn, Alabama in September 1982, primarily as a computer peripherals company. The Glob itself, that was a $325 conversion kit made for Pac-Man, and uh, it was designed by Epos, but made by a company out of Cranston, Rhode Island called Magic Conversions Company, and they in turn licensed the title to Eagle Conversions Incorporated of Providence, Rhode Island. And Hmm. most likely, I, I would be dead surprised if this wasn't the case, but most likely Eagle Conversions was named for its location on 25 Eagle Street. Now, about Eagle Conversions, Inc., this is where things start to get interesting, because Eagle Conversions was started by Frank Gaglione, or is it Gaglione? I, I never know if the, the G is silent. Or does that name ring a bell to you, Jimmy G? It does not. Okay. Well, it might ring a bell to some people. I do believe there is, I i don't know if it's Providence or somewhere else actually had Frank Gaglione Day sometime, because he had a huge impact on the community.
0: Somewhere. Oh, um, Greg Paulinger might
1: uh, might know him. Oh, really? I think he's, he's from that area. That's true. That's true. But we're going to get to why that name might sound familiar to some listeners in a moment. Frank Gaglione was also in charge of Glack G-L-A-K, Associates, which happened to be at the exact same address. Uh, I believe that the two companies coexisted for a short time, but really Eagle was basically a new company formed because of the closure of Glack. And uh, there's a little bit of shadiness going on in the history of uh, these companies. First of all, Glack only sold, well, I don't know if I should say only sold, but mainly sold their machines directly to arcade operators, which was very unusual at the time. You usually sell them to distributors. Distributors, right. And Glack did sell some of their games to distributors, but usually those distributors were fly-by-night companies who would buy the Glack games for cheap and then resell them at inflated prices. And one of the companies that was among Glack's clients was Countertop Amusements from Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, one of Countertop Amusements' customers complained about a fake Frogger cabinet that came from Glack, hmm. So they terminated their contract with Glack. Now, this is where Frank Gaglioni's name might sound a little bit familiar, because some of the games that Glack sold had the Omni name on them. Okay. Because both Omni and Glack were founded by Frank Gaglioni, and Frank made a lot of money with shady business dealings under the Omni name by releasing knockoff versions of other video games, Hmm. such as a title called Scramble 2. Electric? No, not going there. You already did. You already did there, Bo But uh, Scramble 2 is the game that resulted in the Stern versus Kaufman court case. Hmm. Because guess what? Stern never made a Scramble 2, but Scramble 2 looks a lot like Scramble. Hmm. So you kind of get the idea here. Uh, but anyway, going back to Eagle Conversions, they made mainly conversion kits, they also sold most of the Glack titles as well. So let's go to October, 1982. And that month magic conversion company filed a trademark for the glob and a little history about magic conversion company. Now it was founded and run by uh, Australian Kevin McIntyre before he headed up magic conversion company. He was the vice president for wait for it. Omni black and Eagle. (gasps) Yeah, I know. (coughs) I know it's (laughs) you're choking on your drink there. That's how shocking it is. And especially since I finished my drink a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, so magic conversion company, it was basically Kevin McIntyre's own video game company. And just like with Eagle, he did almost exclusively conversion kits. And the glob was the first conversion kit that they did. And it was released as part of the company's so-called magic conversion system. Magic Conversion System registered for copyright for the Glob, and this is despite Epos thinking that Epos had retained the actual copyright. Hmm. But turns out they didn't, so to prevent that from ever happening again, Epos spun off a company called Cardinal Amusement Products. That was essentially their own in-house subsidiary to handle the release of its conversion kits. And the first release under the Cardinal Amusement Products name? Beastie Feastie. Beastie Feastie was the exact same game as The Glob. Okay. Except there were some graphical upgrades and things. Like The Glob had a little bit more refinement, a little bit more features, I should say. And The Glob was no longer called The Glob, but The Glob was now called Toby. We should really have the
0: office's air quality tested. I and mean, we have radon coming from below. We have asbestos in the ceilings. These are silent killers.
1: You are the silent killer. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, anyway, going back to Magic Conversion Company. Oh, sorry. Magic Conersion Company. My notes say Magic Conersion Company. Magic Coercion Company. Conersion, Conersion, Conversion. C-O-N-E-R-S-I-O-N. And there's a red squiggly line under it for some reason. But anyway, it was eventually renamed Magic Electronics. And it was actually pretty successful for a couple of years. And in fact, was the most successful of all the conversion kit companies, Hmm. which... It's kind of strange because I have not heard of any of their conversions except for The Glob and Super Glob, which was a follow-up to The Glob that Magic released in February of 1984. And uh, Super Glob, I think, was among the top three of its uh, most successful titles. Glob was the other one. I don't remember the third one. But that's another thing. Glob and Super Glob, they... You would never know it if you played the two, even one right after the other, but they're not the same game.
2: Hmm. There's
1: a slight difference, I think, in the way the uh, floors are arranged in the game. I think the first floor is always the same.
0: Kind of like if you didn't know any better, uh, somebody would think that Super Xevious was
1: the same as Xevious. Possibly, possibly, except it's not quite that drastic, though. Uh, but really, if you play, you would, you would think that Super Glob is just an alternate title for the Glob. Well, it's actually not. They're two different games. Barely. Huh. Barely. Magic Electronics was doing really, really well until 1986 when they were hit by some hard times, and Kevin McIntyre was actually forced to sell his house. That's how bad it got. Wow. And he filed lawsuits against certain companies for licensing their games without permission. Eventually, Bob Henry, who was in charge of high-tech Coin Distributor, he bought out Magic Electronics and all of its equipments. Oh. Uh, but yeah, there is a long story about this, actually two different ones, one from uh, a blog called All in Color for a Quarter and another from the Roth blog, and I will link both of those in the show notes. Going back to something I mentioned earlier, is, uh, before we started recording, Jimmy G was asking me if this was... One of those games that was, it seems like it was made by the mafia. Kind of like how we were talking about, oh, what was the game? It was... Miss uh, World Nude. Miss World Nude 96 or Miss World Nude. 95. 96 Nude or 95, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the one that listed USSR as a continent. Yes.
0: (laughs) Even though, number one,
1: it's not a continent. Number two, it wasn't USSR at the time. Correct. But (laughs) anyway, this is interesting that the enemies are called the mob in this game. It is. And how basically epos was cu- and eagle conversions was kind of a shady company there was a, a lot of questionable practices going on there but uh yeah i just thought that was interesting but um anyway jimmy g uh what are, what are your thoughts on the, the glob oh by the way by the way before i even f- uh let you answer that oh. beastie feasty oh what was i gonna say about beastie feasty
0: they fought for your right to party no Oh, that was the Beastie Boys. No, they told you you gotta. Oh, that's right.
1: Oh, man. Oh, Beastie Feastie, I believe the two buttons, the call elevator and energize buttons, I think they were swapped on uh, the cabinets on there. So I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just the way they happened to be. Maybe they figured, well, let's make it different enough so that magic can't come back to us and sue us. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Also, another thing I should mention, by the way, and I mentioned this to Jimmy G privately, if you emulate these games, in which really, chances are, if you're going to play them, you kind of have to, because these are not common games. Uh, There's no Super Glob listed on arcade.com. There's only one listing for the Glob, and that's Fun Spot. And there's only one listing for Beastie Feastie, and that's Logan Arcade here in Chicago. I gotta get there. I have to get there.
0: Now we do, yes.
1: And what else? Oh, the other thing is, I mentioned earlier that Glob, and also I didn't mention this, but Super Glob as well, is a Pac-Man conversion kit. If you're emulating this in MAME, make sure you're using the ROM file names that have a P, like the Glob P or zip or whatever, because the ones that don't have the P in the file name are actually Galaxian conversions. And there is a little bit of a difference. Uh, I think the Galaxian versions, well, for one thing, they must have a different character set because the fonts aren't quite as snazzy. They're kind of blah. And I think the Pac-Man versions are a little bit smoother. So remember, pee in the file. And then wash your hands afterwards. Yes. Uh, Anyway, back to you, Jimmy G. Uh, Your thoughts, your memories, your whatever's on uh, the Glob Super Glob, Beastie Feastie. Well, first
0: of all, I know I've played this in the arcade, but I just could not tell you where. Uh, because of the nature of the game, this, again, I think it would classify as a laundromat game. Uh, totally I pre- see that, yeah. Pretty much don't... I, I'm almost certain I've never played this in an arcade, but I could not tell you where I've played this. I know I've played it. I know that for sure, but... Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the uh, in the, the chat about this particular game, that uh, the animation of the, of the glob is just so dang cute. It really is. It's a cute little character. I mean, it's there's, there's just a little glob with a couple of eyes. But it, the way he moves and and stuff, I love the way he presses the button. He turns. Yes, I, oh gosh, it's, he like he like extends an appendage to push the button. And it is so funny.
1: Yeah, and the, I love how the other characters do that too. Yes, it's like yes. these anim- these animals happen to know how to call an elevator. Yes, oh, and- but what? Ooh, what really drives me? N- I hate monkey and bunny because they are elevator hogs. Yes, they are. Oh my goodness! And um, I
0: really, really like this game. This is there. I, there's really nothing about this game to not like. It's it's just it's just a fun game. Simple concept, and the animation is cute and. Um, this this game is really very very underrated. I would love to see a homebrewer tackle this for uh, the Atari seventy eight hundred. You listening, Bob? <laughs> well, there are others though. Yeah, I I know, I know. You could probably also do it for the twenty six hundred because the oh, gra- yeah. there's not a whole lot of graphics on it, and you rarely have more than, with the exception of the the fruit or the the fruit the the snack items. You don't really have more than one character on a sc- or a couple of characters on screen at a time. I think you could do this one on the twenty six hundred even.
1: Oh, I'm sure you could. But that
0: having been said, um, seriously, find this game if you if, if it's in a local arcade if you, you can get one or play this in MAME. This game is so. This game
1: deserves to be more well known than it is. It, this game's an all around winner. It is. In fact, I remember a long time ago, like probably five years ago, when you mentioned this as a possible game in the future. I was thinking, okay, I know I've heard. Of, I know I've heard of. The glob or super glob or whichever one you brought up. But where have I heard it before? But then I saw a Starcade re-r I was like, oh my goodness, that's oh no, no. Then I played it in MAME, and that's when I realized I had seen it on Starcade. And there are other games in Starcade that are like Guzzler, for example. Which is one we is- need to get to. We need to get to that one. A Munchmobile.
0: That's a one. Munchmobile. That's not on our list, I don't think.
1: I mean, it's like it's like where why do
0: we not see these games ever? I've seen the last two. Really? I have seen Munchmobile okay. and Guzzler. Huh. But uh, we'll save that for a future episode.
2: i have uh, been to. Warned.
0: I need to put uh, Munchmobile on the list while I'm thinking of it. Hmm. Boom. Munchmobile is on the
1: list. Woohoo.
0: So, yes. Fun game. Oh, gosh. This is a great game. Were there any high scores on this? You said, that, you said it's right. not an
1: arcade. Yeah. Yeah. The The high scores that I have gathered in fact I, I only have i have them for the glob and beastie feasty uh, i don't have any for super glob but twin galaxies shows justin kvitt i don't know how this name is pronounced it's i i'm guessing kvittle uh justin scored one hundred and thirty-eight thousand three hundred and five. wow and uh that was verified by referee on december 11th 2010 and beastie feasty Craig Anstett uh, has that Twin Galaxies record, submitted September 4th, 2017, and verified by the Twin Galaxies scoring and adjudication process. And then we go over to Orcade.com, spelled A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. Mark Alpiger has that high score at 151,254, performed June 3rd, 2011. Uh-huh. As for when I first saw it, played it, MAME. It has to be MAME. I don't know when I first played it, but I never saw any of these machines in the wild. Although if I had gone to Logan arcade, which I haven't, uh, I would have seen, oh dude, by the way, I broke my hmm. two and a half year streak of not playing pinball Oh, at underground. I went to, well, yeah, I played some pinball in underground retrocade. What did you play? I played uh, the T two game just to see what what all the fuss was. I, I love that ghost, game. I played the Stern Ghostbusters machine. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if I played anything else.
0: Um, What'd you think of the T two pinball?
1: You know, there's one thing about it that really annoyed me, oh, and oh. that was the multi ball feature. Oh. how do you how where are you supposed to aim? Because you have to fire you have to fire a little trigger, and the uh, the little uh, shooty thing actually rotates, mm-hmm. and you have to. Sh- I figured it out easily. What's the uh, secret? Because because
0: the lights move faster and faster uh, av- each time you hit it, and it's like the first round you just uh, you, you aim like one lower than
1: um, where you're going to shoot. Okay, but where are you supposed to shoot?
0: There's a whole set of targets on the left hand side of the playfield. Okay, where and the are gun is they? on the right, and you use. I the couldn't trigger- see any targets. Yeah, they are. They light up. Hmm. Uh, the light on the 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 playfield lights up in front of the targets. Hmm. And I got to the point where I could hit them every time. Huh. I still suck at
1: pinball, but I love that game. I was convinced that it was just luck of the draw. It was just random. Nope. There's nothing to the I know that I aimed in the exact same place on different occasions. And once I got, I was successful once I wasn't. So, I don't know. So, anyway. so See, that's uh, why, That's why I prefer video
0: games over pinball. Although to be fair, I mean pinball. There's just a feeling of the tactile feeling in pinball that you don't get in video games. Uh, how about Qbert? That's about it.
1: Well, then again, that's a pinball piece. That's a piece of pinball, pinball equipment. Doing that. Yep. So, anyway, back to video back games. To, back to glob. Back to shady video games.
0: I'm going. I guess I'm going. To, I'll give my rating. Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Really, for the only reason that. I just can't find a machine anywhere, and I've been playing it in Maine, and I really want to experience yeah. this in, uh, in in a cabinet again. This is really a fun game. And um, like I said, find it. Play it.
1: You'll thank us. It's a great game. Yeah, you'll thank us, even though we have nothing to do with it. But exactly. We, you'll we thank like us for the recommendation. Anyway. Yes, yes. And uh, I, too, am going to give it a four. A four out of five continues. Oh, why is that? Because it is a fun game. It is a fun game. There's, I can't quite say what would make it a five right. continues for me, but definitely four. Definitely four.
0: I mean, the graphics are minimalistic, but they do the job fine. They're, you don't really, really,
1: need... good for, they're really good for minimalistic graphics. Exactly. Though. I mean. I, 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 I got I to gotta say, I love Gator. I love Gator. Oh, yeah. The way he walks around. Oh, that's
0: I love him. I, I, but I like the piggy. I mean, I I like uh, Porker. Even though he's a pig and he's fast, I just like piggies. And any game that has a piggy in it is okay with me. So, um... Except for Puyan. I mean, I don't really hate that. I don't anymore.
1: think I ever played Puyan.
0: You should play that. Just don't play the Atari 2600 version. Every home port of Puyan I've ever played has not been really that good. Huh. Oh, well.
1: So, okay. Are we, are we done with the, uh... We are done with the Glob.
0: Yay! Hey, so, um, I think we should talk about. Ah uh, ha, ha 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 We should talk about uh, Kickman? <laughs> Kick. Kickman? Kickman. Kickman, ah ha! Yes, it is Kickman. Oi, Kickman. This is a 1981 Midway Raster game, and object of the game is you have a man on a unit cycle, and you're supposed to catch falling balloons and characters from the Pac Man games on your head. The control panel has a trackball, which is an odd trackball because it only moves left and right, which I've never seen a trackball like that before. The closest would probably be the roller controller on the um, Major Havoc. You also have a button to use to kick a balloon in case it gets a little too low. You can just kick it up to the top up the screen and uh, try to catch it on top of your head. Now on the first round, and when a balloon hits, your, uh, hits the top of your head, it pops, so you can't stack them up. But starting on... Oh yeah, this is another game that addresses their levels as racks.
1: It's a Bally Midway
0: game. Indeed, it is. So on the second rack, uh, you actually they don't pop when they hit your hat, and you could stack up to eight of them. When it reaches eight, there's a funny animation of uh, of the clown or whatever it is you you've got like popping the balloons, and if you have a Pac-Man, he will eat the balloons if they land on top of them or if you landed Pac-Man on top of them. <laughs> You do see the Pac-Man first starting on the second rack, Uh, the Pac-Man Ghosts on the third rack, and also on the third rack. I'm sorry?
1: They're monsters. Oh, they're monsters. That's right. They're monsters.
0: Uh, Balloons will start falling at angles on the third rack. There is a bonus rack after level two. Uh, I don't know where there are other bonus racks. I didn't really try to, didn't really play it that long.
1: Yeah, you lost your patience, so you... Decided to give up before you got way too far into the game. Oh,
0: yeah. That's exactly what it is. On Rack 4, uh, you can, two balloons or Pac-Man or ghosts or, or, I'm sorry, or Pac-Man or monsters or whatever can be on the screen at once. Thank
1: you, I'm sure.
0: And I found this out. Uh, each, t- each time you kick an item, it gets faster with each kick. Oh, really? It does. And, I did not uh, it, it, almost, it gets It gets harder, which actually makes good sense because it would get really easy just to keep kicking the balloon and uh even though there's no uh, bonus for stretching the timeout or whatever, they want you to move along. It's all about you know money for the arcade, which is not a bad thing.
1: The arcade's in business to make money. So- well, you do get a bonus for uh, kicking every balloon on the first level. You do? Yeah. I did not see that yeah, in any of my research. Get, yeah. Um, by the way, I I have never gotten that bonus. I'm going to have to try for it now.
0: Yeah. So, scoring in this game, yellow balloons, you get five points. Red balloons, you get ten blue, you get 15. And for the monsters, they're all 25 points. There's only uh, one official port of the game, and that was on the Commodore 64. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And there uh. was a prototype for the Atari 2600, and I guess there's also a newer newer homebrew uh, for it.
1: Yeah, I thought I heard about that.
0: The prototype is available on Atari Mania, so you might want to check that out. Utopia Software did publish a clone called Pinhead for the Atari 8-bit computer family, in 1982. <laughs> now, this was actually planned as a sequel to Pac-Man. Really? That's what I've seen in my research. Huh. Now, the game was really started development in 1978, but it was a black and white game at that title time, called Catch Forty. But Midway never got around to releasing it, so they colorized it and released it as Kick. Then a few months later, they they changed the name to Kickman after uh, Cabinet serial number 1600 was produced. The only difference between Kick and Kickman is in the title screen, for the most part. The marquee says Kick. Rumor has it the name change was due to the popularity of Pac-Man.
1: Oh, I see.
0: To be honest, I think Kickman actually is a better name than Kick in the first place anyway.
1: I would think so, because I see Kick, honestly, I thought just a game with that name, it would have been like possibly a football or soccer game, or maybe even theoretically a motorcycle game, as you think Kickstart.
0: Right. One thing I noticed about the graphics in this game is it pretty much uses the same graphics engine or the same, the same hardware as Satan's Hollow, Tron, Journey, Domino Mm -hmm. Man, uh, Timber, uh, Tapper. How how can I forget Tapper? It's it pretty much had the same, similar type of graphics where it had like blocky background graphics and, um, more detailed foreground graphics.
1: Did, um, Midway outsource the same company for this, that? Is that that
0: I could not find. Okay. I could not find any information on that. Oh, one other thing is, I forgot to mention is um, the setting is like you're in a, in, a, in a, I don't know, on a city street or whatever, and people are throwing these down. On the left-hand building, there's a balloon in a window for each level that you're on. So if you have two levels, or there will be a balloon in two different windows. And oh. as far as the challenging or the bonus rack or whatever they call it is, they're throwing balloons down, and you have to catch all the balloons while avoiding the bombs. You can't touch them anywhere. So, uh, yeah, you're going to want to make sure you don't don't touch the bombs. Bombs are never a good yeah. thing in a game.
1: But um, let me do something a little bit different with this review. Actually, B-17 Bomber on the television.
0: Oh, there you go. I was doing, as I was doing research, uh, I would never even thought about using as a source uh, TV tropes. They talk about video games in there, too, and they have one they for do. kick. They do, yeah. And, oh, do tell. Okay. The video game provides examples of, and these are the tropes, Always Night, you play in the city at nighttime. Cartoon Bomb, these get thrown at you during the bonus rounds. Covers Always Lie, the protagonist of the game is supposed to be a clown, yet the cabinet art for the game depicts what looks like a track and field runner instead. The 80s, the appearance of Pac-Man gives this away. Extreme Omnivore, Pac-Man Eats Balloons. One Hit Point Wonder, if even one object, balloon or Pac-Man, hits the ground, you lose a life. One-wheeled wonder, your playable clown hero rides on a unicycle. Special guest, Pac-Man, appears as do the ghosts from that game, and standard snippet, the traditional circus music, entry of the gladiators plays when you lose a life. So those
1: are the tropes that this game has. Oh, very- oh dude, speaking of uh, Pac-Man and all that, I said out loud when we were researching this at Underground Retrocade that I would not be surprised if the Galaxian flagship made an appearance in that game. Do you know if it's in the game?
0: I could not find any information on that.
1: Part of me thinks maybe not, because I think that was actually more Namco's thing.
0: That was more of a Namco thing, yeah. That was not a Midway. Now, I was looking up some stuff on Atari Protos. A uh, good friend, uh, Tempest, uh, runs the uh, the site. and um, So I'm reading directly from his site. So why was Kickman never released? This is for the Atari 2600. Because it sucked. According to Alex, he designed Kickman for Midway, but when they decided not to enter the home gaming market themselves, they sold the rights to CBS Electronics. CBS Electronics needed a few minor tweaks done to the prototype before they could release it, so they had programmer Dick Belaska to make the changes. Alex was working for Rockland by this time and was not available. Dick remembers doing some code compression and adding a rudimentary title screen to the game, but ultimately CBS decided not to release the game either. This was probably due to Kickman not doing particularly well at the arcades, even with the added Pac-Man gimmick. Interestingly, CBS did make some box art for Kickman, and it was advertised as being for sale in some ads, so the decision to cancel the game must have been made quite late. And it, apparently the prototype is 95% complete. And once again, huh. you can download the prototype at atarimania.com, and I think can, notes. I think you can also get it on Atariage, but uh, I'd have to dig up the thread, and I don't feel like doing that right now, because that gets how much contempt I have for our listeners. Boy, I'm just a cheery SOB right now, aren't I? Oh, oh, you aren't.
2: <laughs>
1: so, Sean, what do you think of the game? It's one of these games... Okay. Are we, actually, right. actually, why don't we talk about scores first? Okay. You know what I like about scores? What's that? That they're numbers. Oh. So, yeah, is that all we wanted to talk about scores here? Sure, why
0: not? Okay. How about high scores? Does this game have any high scores? What are the high oh, scores? Mother-
1: <sighs> all right, all right. Give me a moment here. Mother Fuddruckers. Uh, let's see. Um, According to Orcade.com, Jason Cram scored 4,250,490 on June 2nd, 2013.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: Twin Galaxies scoreboard has Tom Bundy. No, he did not score four touchdowns in one game, before you ask.
0: I was thinking Ted Bundy, but okay.
1: But uh, he scored 4,875,665. That's
0: got to be a feat, because this doesn't seem to be a particularly high-scoring game.
1: I know, I was just thinking that, but it was verified by referee on December 27th, 1982, so it's possibly legit. So, yeah. There you are.
0: Where? Wherever you
1: are. Wait. Anyway. So. So. Where's the first place you ever played this? I don't know the thing is I don't remember it from back in the um early arcade days but um I played this I th- I want to say it was underground retrocade it could mm-hmm. have been galloping ghost I'm I'm really thinking it was underground retrocade in fact yeah it had to be because I knew this game first as kickman mm-hmm. retrocade's game is called kickman and galloping Ghost's game is called kick mm-hmm so oh, that's it, right, it, it is isn't and it? that threw me off. It's like, wait, kick wait, kick why is it called kick over here? It's called Kick Man, you know. Oh, those wacky arcaders. <laughs> I first
0: played it at the Putt Putt Golf and Games in Joliet, Illinois on Essington Road back in the video game era. Because of course you did. But of course I did. I haven't mentioned arcade and keys in a long time, I've noticed. But I think we're pretty oh, much yeah. done with that place. Uh wait, did they have venture? I don't think they did. Oh well. Wait, was was that the place that had
1: uh, Uncle Pooh?
0: Yes, yes, it was. So, any rate, one thing about this game that I've noticed: there's <laughs> nothing really attractive about this game. Nothing to really attract people to it. It's not a bad game at all. It's no, just, no, no, it's no, just no. not very attractive when it compared to other games. And um, one thing I noticed about this game is that the the trackball seems to be a lot heavier than most other trackballs I've ever used in the arcade. Hmm. Maybe that's just me, with the exception of bowling games like Simpsons Bowling. Oh, sure, yeah. But uh, this one seems to be a lot heavier than some most of the other games, and uh, that might just be me. I don't, know. And I don't it's, know. it's it's it is a little unusual to play a game with a trackball that only goes left and right. Um, I guess I can understand because I think this game would be easier if it had like a dial, like Tempest or Arkanoid.
1: Well, for what it's worth, I think the mechanic itself makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's implemented pretty
0: well. Oh, and if I might, uh, might add something here, I was playing it also in emulation. I played it at, uh, at underground retrocade when we were there the other night, but, um, I also played it in emulation here using my vision adapter and my, uh, Vision uh, super action controller and using the little dial on it. And this is yet another game that works well with it. The only thing is that thing can spin really, really fast. So once you're lined up where you want to be, you got to, tap the the dial again so or the the spinner again so that uh, you know you can stop your guy so that's you got to watch out for that but otherwise it works really really well with that controller uh-huh. i gotta play uh, pole position with that again i remember that working pretty well with that controller
1: so there you go so yeah and my thoughts over overall on uh, kick or kick man as it were it's kind of weird it's like it's like a barbershop quartet name it's witty at first, but the more you play it, the less fun it is. Uh-huh. It gets to the point where you advance so much and then the game's over and you you decide, I don't want to start all over. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, there's just not, I mean, I don't hate the game. I, I don't, don't lo- hate it by
1: any means. I don't hate yeah. it,
0: but I don't love it either. It just falls right in that middle ground for me. And that's why I'm rating it a three. You know, I think I should probably rate it a three too. That sounds about where I am with it. And I just I don't know, there's it's not there's nothing in the game to attract people. That that's really what it what it is. It doesn't keep your interest very long. It doesn't scream, hey, play me when you're in the arcade. I mean, if you've got this game in the arcade and you've got a centipede and a Robotron and a reactor and uh joust and uh Tempest or whatever blaring all of their music or whatever, your sound yep. effects or whatever, and compared to this game, there's no no competition there. You're not going to play this game. I mean, there's just nothing to attract you to
1: it. Yeah, that's that's true. But yeah, because I, I did I did move on and played a buttload of Centipede.
0: Yeah, a literal one too. But uh, yeah, I mean, play it. But if you get if you like it, don't hey, say we good didn't you. warn you. Don't say we didn't warn you. Exactly. <laughs> I think the animation could have been cuter. I didn't I didn't like the look of the clown.
1: When he well, kicked- it's a clown. Yeah, I, I I, don't know. Hey, well, that's one thing that I really do like about this game. It's kind of yep. like, like Mr. Do and kind of like Circus, which, by the way, I hate to say it, I now have more appreciation for. Hmm. Because after we did the Circus episode, mm-hmm. when I was at Galloping Ghost, just for sheer torture, I played it again. And it was nothing like I remembered last time I played it. For one thing, really? trackball was actually pretty easy to control. Uh-huh. But I I still don't like it. But the thing is, there's something that Kickman and Circus and Mr. Do, the American Mr. Do, that is, all have in common that I just can't not respect. When the game is over, a clown dies. And the shouts of joy from the people. Yay. So, yes, I think that we are done here. Yeah, how about we... um... Take a look at what uh, Eugenio submitted to us at Pi at Fab4IT.com or pie Factory Podcast at Fab4IT.com. Why not? I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll
0: just read the whole thing again.
1: Great. That'll give me a chance to finish off my Blackberry Ginger Ale.
0: There you go. Greetings, Sean and Jim. I hope you guys hey, are doing well. Greetings, do- Eugenio. I hope you guys are doing well. February has been a busy month for me, and I expect March to be even busier. I have several business trips in March, so I'm sure it will be a crazy month. By the way, I'll be going to Chicago in the summer for a medical conference. Ooh. Woohoo! Hit us up, dude. Maybe we can get together while I'm hit there. I'll send you more details later. As for now, here's my feedback for today's game. Today's games. 1. Kickman. This is a game I heard much about through the years, but one that I've never seen, quote-unquote, in the wild. To be honest, I'd forgotten about it until recently when a prototype for the Atari 2600 was discovered in late 2019. That port was programmed by Alex Levins for release by CBS, but they never did release it. There's a thread in Atari H discussing the game, and he has the link, so he does not have contempt for our listeners.
1: Thank you. And you know, that so this, that this will also be
0: that will also be in the show notes. I've watched videos of the arcade game to compare with this 2600 port, and it looks like the gameplay elements have been pretty well captured. Of course, the graphics are simpler, no background buildings, but they do the job. Um, I'm one thing. You know what? I'm going to interject here. Um, I actually think this actually plays better on a console than it does in the arcade. But really? That's just I me. Mean. I think this plays better with like the paddle. Wait, did it play with the paddles? I don't remember. I th- it played. I, th- I like. I like the 2600 prototype better. But that's just me. Um, the music from the arcade game is missing, but there's a musical tune that plays when you lose a turn if you fail to pick up a balloon. The prototype has already been hacked to be able to use paddle controllers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and buildings have been added do. to the sides. I'm not sure how much further it will be modified, but hopefully it is released at some point as a cartridge. As a cartridge. In the meantime, harmony card it is. The other home version I'm aware of is the C64 version. I've seen videos of that version. It does look like a pretty good port. As for the arcade version, I guess I'll have to visit Galloping Ghosts. It's, it's actually singular, you henio, but we won't hold that against you. When I'm in Chicago, I'm assuming actually, they have por- it there.
1: No, no, no. He might no. mean that he needs. He mean he's going to visit more than one Galloping Ghost. Because there's oh, the yeah, video true. game arcade, the pinball arcade, there's the dojo, there's the reproductions, there's the... Uh, the garage. The garage. Is there a Galloping Ghost Feminine Hygiene Products? Storage? I would not be
0: surprised if he eventually buys the rest, old restaurant across the street, what was that, Tony's, and opens up a Galloping Ghost Restaurant.
1: Yeah. That would not surprise me. I still and want it, to go to Tony's, though, because I love Tony's. That was a good place. I, it, probably, it probably still is. Yeah, but, it is. I've been there twice since I so, anyway. moved.
0: Uh, anyway, he's assuming they have it there. And yes, they do have it. Uh, number two, Super Glob. Now this game is one I've never heard of. I've watched a couple of videos on YouTube and read it, read on it to get an idea of what it was all about. It looks like a game that is high on cuteness with that blob the player controls. It looks like it could be a fun game, but I'm curious about what you've had to say about the game. Do they have this one at Galloping Ghost? I do not believe they do. Or do you guys nope. own a machine so you can play it on MAME? Ha <laughs> ha, the joke we decided to stop using. Going to the Final Frontier Gaming. Thank you again,
2: Eugenio. If you
1: didn't didn't like us bringing that up again, then uh, let's see. Then take it up with uh, trekmd at (laughs) webtv.org. There. So, hey, Eugenio, I've got a a quick question. Um, What's the
0: story behind your handle? I get the MD part, but not the Trek part.
1: The Trek part? He's a Star Trek fan. Oh, is that it? Oh okay. Yeah, notice uh, what his signature is always always is. Oh, going to the Final Frontier yeah. gaming. Dummy. Yeah. And, and I was and wondering, a, I was hoping oh, is that
0: a trick bicycle thing? And he's a doctor. Well, I know that, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you again. And um with that, would let us reveal the uh reveal the theme for tonight's episode, shall oh, we?
1: Oh, oh, let's do it. Let's do it.
0: Games that were released with altered titles.
1: Oh, altered titles. Does we're, that include altered originally Beast? It was
0: going to be slightly altered titles, but uh we changed changed it after some information on super glob yeah which or wasn't glob.
1: an alternate title at all so.
0: but we did find other alternate titles so we could keep the theme just altered slightly
1: yes exactly
0: so shall we uh reveal what games we're going to talk about in the next episode do tell boot camp and gi joe yo joe yo joe and the next episode is half the battle Don't ask what the other half is, because I have no clue.
1: All right, is this the last we're going to hear that? Like, are we going to hear that knowing is half the battle, like, thing in the next episode?
0: I will—I'll I, make a promise that I will not say it, but I have a feeling, knowing Hyde, the way we know
1: him, he's going to add the, the snippet in. Oh, good grief. That's right, we have to ship this off to Hyde, or mm. actually— I actually have to personally hand it over to Hyde because of his weird policies, but I don't
0: So how about uh, we thank some
1: sponsors, some
0: patrons, some oh, Patreons? Oh, how, how
1: about it? Um, how, how about that? All right, I'm going to do it the same way that I did last episode, except I'm going to go in, ex- in, Spanish. The exact, in the exact reverse order, huh. and no, not in Spanish, because I don't know Spanish very well, and I can't roll my R's, so I'd have a terrible Carreter. accent. So, thank you to the following people who've been financially supporting this podcast over patreon.com slash Podcast. Thank you, Underground Retrocade, Keith Sheehan, Nate Lockhart, Tim Foley, Atari Bytes, Kyle Etter, Franco Dragon, Rory the Charles, Coleman, Steve Steiner, Air Shack, Richard Grounds, Art Guglielmo, PJ Steele, Timmy Mack, Kurt Musgrave, Richard Valdez, Lance Endries, D. Alex, Christian Williams, New Balance Stores Phoenix... And the Super NES podcast. Thank you, Greg Pollender. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: And there we go. So we will yeah. talk to you all on the next episode. On the next episode, we hope you all listen. We hope you yes. all listen to this one and take notes. There might be a quiz. May have oh, your number two pencil.
1: Number two pencil, or else the scantron won't read it properly.
0: Number two sketron. <laughs> yeah. uh. What's
1: up? Uh, no. All
0: right, so how are we ending the podcasts this year? We're just a non sequitur, I
1: guess. Oh, you told me I have to sign off with a pun. Oh, that's right, I did. Yeah. Pun. Bargain. Huh? Uh, we're just going to let Jimmy G think about this for a while. Bargain? <laughs> okay, well, there we are.
0: Bye. Yep. Yeah.
2: This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre opening and closing theme is the happy l composed by sean courtney follow the pie factory podcast online via facebook on twitter at pie factory pfp or on pie factory support the show at patreon.com slash pie factory podcast
1: Yeah, there's strawberry for 100 points each. There are bunches of grapes for 110 points each. Carrot for 130. Cherries for 140. Ooh, yeah. How much is that worth? You, just you listen, boy howdy.